Okay, all cool. All right, we're live in three, two, one. What is up, Brian? How you doing, man? Good. How you doing, Simon? Very good. Just working from home right now. That's See, cool. I heard you're working from Lake Tahoe. How's that going? It's cool, man. It's snowing, or it was snowing yesterday, which is cool. It's my first time up here. I know you used to come up here a lot, right? Uh, a little bit to ski every once in a while, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. We're not allowed to, to leave to ski and snowboard or anything, but um, we can see how pretty the mountains look, and it looks really nice. That's cool. Why aren't they letting you ski just in case of injuries or something? Oh, COVID. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, man. So, so what, are you, what are you shooting up there? So um, I signed an NDA, so I can't talk too much about, like, what the show's about. <laughs> Damn Sorry. it. <laughs> but I can tell you, I can tell you what show it is. It's uh it's 12 dates of Christmas season two. Um, so it's a reality, it's a reality dating show, um, of, with uh, HBO max. So they, they released one last year. I think they released the first season. It's basically like supposed to be like a cinematic rom-com, but it's not a movie. It's like real life. So they have like these three leads. You have, um, a straight lead, a gay lead and a lesbian lead. And then they each go on like different dates. 12 dates of christmas so they go on like 12 dates gotcha. try to find love uh they get put up in this giant mansion so we have this like giant like mansion that's like five minutes away from here that they all stay at and it, it's weird because like you'll you know they live there so like you know they'll wake up they'll get coffee and stuff and like the mansion has like 20 bedrooms so like they're using half of them and the other half is like cameras and audio equipment and people stay there overnight like controlling remote cameras like you know trying to like catch them in the act of like you know having sex or like <laughs> yeah it's a it's a weird like it's a weird world yeah, yeah i was i was always wondering i guess when people decide to do these shows they just sign off on being able to record it all the time is that pretty much it i mean yeah like straight up they have like um before the before the contestants got here um we were in the house like setting up all these cameras and lights and stuff and i mean there's a camera in like at least one camera in every room and you have this whole like um this whole base where uh, you have all these robo arm operators that are controlling these cameras. So you have like these giant, like 40 camera displays and you see them like moving and like following people around. Yeah. There is, um, there, yeah. You know, I'm not supposed to say, I guess what exactly happened, but yeah, they'll catch you doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Right. I haven't followed the show before, so I guess you wouldn't be spoiling anything for me, but, um, <laughs> how, uh, so I haven't seen the show. So how does the first season end? So I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched any of it. Oh, really? <laughs> I've not watched first season. Okay. Um, but um, I heard that it's like a very wholesome kind of thing. There's some like problems right now with the wholesome aspect of the show that I'm not allowed to talk about. But yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, I wonder how they're going to spin it in editing. I wonder how they're going to change it and make it like wholesome and like. Right, right. Yeah. It's, we'll it's probably a cool process when you get to see like the raw unedited footage as it's being shot and then seeing the final product at the end. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know there's like, um, I have a couple of friends that are in my department that stay overnight at the lodge. So I work during the day and I stay mostly at the hotel. Uh, the hotel is like where the, where everyone gets tested. So I work in the COVID department. I'm, right. I'm an assistant COVID testing coordinator. So I'm in charge of like getting everybody tested and stuff. We have like 150 crew members. We have like 40 cast members. So it's a, it's a big thing. And, um, we, I stay mostly at the hotel, but I have people on, on my team that go to the lodge where they, where the contestants live and they'll stay there overnight and they'll tell me like, Oh, I guess who hooked up last night, you know? And like, <laughs> they thought the cameras weren't on, but they were. And like, everyone's in that room, apparently watching these people like have sex. And it's I uh, I don't know, man, I would not be able to be one of those contestants. That's uh, no privacy there. Yeah. At least uh, I hope they're getting pay- paid well for it. <laughs> See, I heard, I've, I've talked to a couple of them and I still can't get my the story straight, whether they get paid or not. I'm really, really not sure. 
Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, I hope they get like, yeah, something. Yeah, I'm sure they get publicity, no doubt about that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, at the very least. So is the goal of this show you're working on to have the people fall in love or are they supposed to get married or what's the it's, deal? I don't, I don't think it's marriage uh, specifically or necessarily, but it is definitely falling in love. So that's why they'll keep, um, the, the, you know, once, once um, a uh, lead starts falling for somebody, then they'll, they'll um, eliminate the other people and then they'll, uh, the producers will bring in new people. And be like, hell, you thought you liked this person. What about these new faces and 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 people and and then see if they buy it or not. So it is, I think it's it's supposed to be like finding love. Okay. But um, and I think a couple of contestants have been able to find stuff or find love recently, but yeah, we'll see. It's crazy to see how many of these new like reality love shows just keep popping up and people still keep watching them enough, I guess, to be created. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, dude. I mean, there's like, I just got into like dating shows, quote unquote, like a couple of years ago, my ex-girlfriend was showing me like The Bachelor, which I never watched before. And it was such yeah. a weird like thing. And now, yeah, it's like dating shows everywhere. Like there's what Temptation Island was playing uh, in my hotel room the other day. Like, yeah, there's dating shows all the time. It's weird. That's cool. Uh, any of the action take place on the mountain? Like, is there any skiing for the show? I would assume yeah, so so they, in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's perfect. They, uh, so yeah, they have um dates. So like they go out on dates, like every other day we'll shoot like two or three dates at a time. So one with each lead and like they did. <laughs> they, okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'll, I'll just say it. I'm hopefully it'll be fine. There's like this one date where they get stuck like on a lift, you know, you know, like that typical like rom-com thing of like, oh, you're stuck on a lift all of a sudden. Like, what do you do? So they, they did that, but like for real. And they had them up on the lift for a couple hours. And I think they had oh, like, stuff. So for real. Yeah. And then they skied. The, one of the contestants didn't know how to ski and they like forced him to ski apparently. And uh, he got to the bottom. I don't know if he got there safely, but he got there. Yeah. I'm sure some crying was involved. <laughs> oh yeah. Big time all the time, man. Yeah. So with uh, your position now, you're pretty much making sure everyone's like tested and COVID safe. So how much do you actually get to like see the shooting and see like what's going on? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting because uh, what's called, so I graduated uh, college like last year in the summer and I immediately was able to find work. So I was super lucky. Um, I worked on two shows for the Food Network and then a show for Netflix. And this is a show for HBO Max. And I, I've been doing COVID, uh, like COVID team stuff for all these shows, which is like a position that didn't exist before. Right. And what really sucked about doing it for those first few shows is like the Food Network show that I did, the first one, was like one of the first shows to shoot during COVID. It was like one of the first. So we were like wow. making stuff up as we went. We were just like trying to figure out like how everything works. And people working on set, like surprisingly, were really not into the idea of wearing masks and like we're not into the idea of like social distancing. Wow. So as like, uh, you know, my first like, you know, um, big job like like on a set and like i'm super excited i'm like watching how these cameras are working and stuff but my job is actually just to, like hey put your mask on man <laughs> and and like the amount of like shit that i would get for that was like ridiculous and it really sucks so i've i've uh, every job has gotten a little bit better people are more used to it but thankfully the job that i'm at now like normally i would be at the lodge like i'd be at the mansion like making sure people are doing what they need to do but since i got promoted i get to stay here at the hotel and just make sure that everybody tests and not have to be the bad guy that's like hey stay safe you know don't cough on that person like wear your face shield right. um, so i I'm, I'm lucky like i guess i get to go to the lodge whenever i want and see what happens but everybody hates it there like it's uh it's it's not a very fun environment to be in it's like really really long hours people are in tight quarters um a lot of drama um so i get to stay here uh, yeah it sounds like this promotion's working out well for you i guess you just, i feel I very happy <laughs> yeah I, yeah 
<laughs> you just had to go through that process in the beginning of criticizing or just telling everyone to put their masks on. But that's like super surprising because I don't know, is there just like a big, like very right wing <laughs> amount of people working in the film industry? Because I know it became a political thing where just like mm-hmm. conservative people would wear masks less. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is that people on film sets, because most of us are in LA and like most of us, you know, um, are like in the creative, like, you know, like realm of the world. And like most yeah. people are actually pretty like left wing and like, you know, like these things make sense. But there's something about like being told what to do that I guess like more senior members of the film industry, like right. more veteran um, people like really don't like, especially like, I don't know, I'm, I was fucking like 20, sorry, I was freaking 22 and like, <laughs> and what's it called? And like, you know, I'm telling this like 50 year old, like, Hey, do this thing. And this guy's like, who are you? Get out of my face. Right. You know? So I think it's, it's a lot of that, but, um, but it's gotten better. Like on this show, we don't have any problems with people wearing their masks. So that's refreshing. Yeah. I'm sure it's definitely like a power dynamic issue there. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Um, they probably haven't had to deal with anything like that before either. No, I mean, a 20 year old telling them what to do. And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, I also remember you telling me you're going to go to Atlanta next. Is that going to be for the same show or are you working on something new? So, um, so this show that we're shooting right here uh, for HBO Max, this one, um, basically, um, the, the end of this week, um, the whole crew is going to split into three and they're going to go um, into different like locations. So they're going to follow the leads back home. So we're going to like um, Florida, um, Georgia and what's the other place? Colorado. And, uh, okay. And and then um, they're gonna shoot like you know more dates like with uh, every lead's gonna bring someone home and then the finale everyone's gonna come back a week after that to go to New York City and shoot the finale there. So I'm actually about to go straight to New York City on Saturday and be one of the first people there to like set up the co- the the testing and everything for when people come there for the finale and then straight up I just got this ironed out today. Um, I finish on the 26th in New York city. And that night I'm going to take a red eye to Atlanta and arrive there on the 27th in the morning and then start my new job, um, for a feature that's shooting there. Um, so wow, really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited for you. I remember when you like hadn't graduated college yet and (laughs) you're just wondering what you're going to do. Definitely you're making it now. It sounds awesome. Yeah. I've been very blessed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, once you go back to Atlanta, you said you're shooting a feature or is it going to be in a new show? Or No, so it's going to be a feature film. It's actually going to be on um, Black Adam, which is like a new DC superhero movie um, oh, yeah. uh, starring The Rock. So The Rock's going to be there. Uh, Noah Centennial, who is the heartthrob of our generation, apparently. He's going to be. I haven't heard um, of him. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's like, he, yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, a couple other um, cool people are going to be acting in it. But yeah, and I get to work in the camera department and I'm really excited. I get to be a camera PA, um, which is bottom of the, you know, level for, for camera. But the cinematographer is Lauren Schur. And Lauren Schur um, is Oscar nominated. He just got nominated for an Oscar for his work on The Joker. And he's like incredibly talented. Um, so I'm really excited to get to work in his department and like get to learn stuff from him. That's cool that you're like moving up in the ranks, I guess. Is it, is now the starting position for most people, like a COVID assistant? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's funny. Yeah. I was talking to some people about this in production who have like worked, you know, on a lot of shows and they're explaining like it is, it's an easy way to get into the industry, but, um, it's a thankless job. And, um, and also like anybody can do it. Like, I mean, you just have to get certified. I've been certified like 30 times. Um, and it's really not difficult. Um, it doesn't require like any prior experience really. Um, and it's a good way to like, see how the set works to get to meet people and stuff. Right. I've been lucky. Like, every job I've gone is cause I did a good job on the last job. And so those people are like, Hey, I'll recommend you for this job. And 
So it is, it is a good way to get into it. And how did you, like, how do you, why do you think you got hired for the, like the initial COVID job you had? <laughs> so it's funny. I actually didn't apply for it. My, my friend, um, a good friend, um, she um, was going to have, she was going to work on a feature um, like a couple of months down the road and she needed a job up until then. So she applied on Staff Me Up, which is this um, website to apply for jobs and a lot of film jobs are on there. And like, apparently it's, it's rare to actually get a job from there. But I don't know, um, there's like a Food Network show shooting. She applied for it. They called her up and said, hey, we want you. Do you know two other people that would want to work in COVID? And she's like, oh, I know just the people. So she um, asked uh, her boyfriend, who's like one of my best friends and me, I think you, you met her actually, Tess. Right. Met her went to the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then her boyfriend's Christian. So she asked both of us like, hey, do you guys want to do this job? And we're like, sure. And it was like one of our first jobs, you know, in the industry. And so we did that job. And then from then on, like, I've been brought on to all these other jobs. And so has Christian and, and Tess has done her own thing. Um, so yeah, I didn't even apply for it. So I got lucky. Wow, that's cool. Did they just kind of see that you had like been interested in the film industry and you got your degree in film and they're kind of like- yeah. You, you, this is like the right place for you to start. I mean, they, they were they were just looking for bodies, and then actually the guy, um, my boss, who the guy was going to be my boss, called me to offer me the job after he got my information from Tess, and he was like, "Hey, man, because because I had I had to send in my resume, and it was like you know all the all the um shorts that I've shot, all the things I've directed, all the things that I've um produced, and and he was like, "Hey, um, nice to meet you, Brian. You're way overqualified for this job, but we need people." are you willing to come? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like this is a big, you know, it's food network. I've never done anything that big. Um, and that's how, that's how I got that job. Yeah. How was it shooting for food network? I don't know that, that show that you were shooting for that's already out right now. Right. Yeah. There's two of them. They're both out um, holiday wars and candy lands. And it's really trippy to like be there from like the very beginning to like, you know, um, when, when things are getting loaded onto the soundstage to the end product, like seeing it on TV, we had like a little viewing party, um for the um for Candyland and we were so hyped for it because it was supposed to be like a smash hit everybody was excited for it it was like a really interesting show to work on and like it just sucked really that and holiday wars yeah we were watching it and like after like the the hour episode was done we were like wow did we just waste an hour watching this um wow. so I, I heard that a lot of people, like I'm talking, I've talked to a lot of people who've been in, in the industry for a lot longer and they're telling me like, you know, sometimes they won't even watch the shows that they work on. Like they just don't care or like, yeah. So I guess that's common. I don't know. For me, it was the most exciting thing ever. It's like, oh, I worked on something and now it's on TV. I guess and after then, doing it so many times, they're probably like, this is getting repetitive. Exactly. Yeah. And and really rarely, I think you get to work on like a show that is like something you would you would love even if you weren't working on it, you know? So I, I think that probably has something to do with it. Like, I mean, I never watch cooking shows myself, so I don't know why I thought I'd be excited by this one, but. Right. And what, what do you think made Candyland such a crappy show? Because <laughs> it sounded like a cool idea when I was, when you were telling me about it. Yeah. So, I mean, Candyland itself wasn't that bad. The Ho Holiday Wars, which was the other one, the first one that we shot, like they, they I don't know. What, so, okay. Uh, an important thing to note is that, um, both of those shows got shut down as we were shooting, not because of COVID, because we did our job, but because um, because of union issues. So um, a lot of like unscripted, so like reality shows, um, um, start out um, non-union. So there, there's non-union rules, like like no union stuff on the show. And right. then oftentimes they'll get flipped. So like the show that I'm on right now started out non-union and it got flipped, meaning that it became a union show. So now like everyone has guaranteed hours that are in, in a specific union, like a camera union or a lighting union. And they get, you know, a little bit better pay and like they get, you know, all this stuff. And usually that happens like 
pretty easily. But on our show, the network that we were working for, which is Discovery, because Discovery owns Food Network and then Food Network was paying for the show. Right. The network heard that that the people on the show wanted to unionize, so they just shut the whole thing down. Wow. Like, we still had two episodes left to shoot of Holiday Wars, and it got shut down. They're like, well, that's it. We can't do anything. There was, like, people out, like, in, in a picket line, like, um, with signs and stuff. There was, like, a union reps there. It was a really strange day because we got to work not knowing what was going to happen, and then it just got shut down a few hours later, and then we had no more work. It was, like, the weirdest thing. So so that's important, I think, to preface why I think Holiday Wars is so bad. The way it's edited is really weird. You start out, like, on the first episode with no, like, explanation of what's going on a timer comes on the screen. You have no idea what it's for and things are happening and no one explains what's happening. And it's like that for like the first episode. And it's really weird. I don't know, man. Um, yeah. Nobody that I talked to liked it. So. Do you think you've like noticed a quality change in film that's happened since COVID started? Because I don't know if the, the things that I've watched that have come out more recently, I just don't feel is as good as it was before COVID. It could just be that I'm not seeing it in movie theaters. I don't know. Maybe my mentality's just changed, but you think you've noticed anything? Interesting. You know, um, I think I think that COVID, I don't think that, I think first of all, it's hard to make something good. So so I think that's like important. You know, I think most things are going to end up being, you know, if not shit, like just not good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's COVID necessarily, but I feel like, you know, like there's some, there's a, there's two TVs in my hotel room that have cable and I've like never had cable because I never you know, I never thought it was important. So I've been like watching TV, like when I come home at night and like, there's just so much like time to fill and there's so many freaking channels and there's like so much content that needs to be created. And I feel like TV quality has gone down for the most part. Um, and I don't think it's COVID related necessarily. I think it has more to do with just like, you know, people jumping ship from TV and going to, you know, like the better creatives going to, you know, streaming or, or, or movies or, or whatever that is. Um, but I think there's been some good stuff, um, since, uh, COVID came, you know, I mean, like Mandalorian, for example, you know, Mandalorian, I don't think it's the most amazing show ever, but it's really cool. And they're really? able to shoot, um, on a soundstage with like all these led lights. I don't know if you've seen the behind the scenes no. uh, for the Mandalorian dude. Okay. It's the coolest thing, man. So basically it's this new thing called like virtual production and they built these giant, like 270 degree led walls that are like 20, 30 feet tall. No and, and Dude, it's crazy. And actually the film that I'm going to shoot black Adam, we're shooting with that same technology. So what it is, is like, um, they, uh-huh. they plug it into a game engine and they create a 3d environment in unreal engine, which is a, a game engine. And they, they, the, the camera that you have in real life, they put a sensor on it and they recreate that in the 3d world. So as you move your camera around the background, the led screens move as if though you're really in that space. So all That's of a sudden you so can be cool. in Egypt, dude, and it looks so freaking realistic. It's not green screen because green screen takes time. It's hard to light. It's hard to frame stuff because you don't know what's supposed to be there. Um, it gives a green cast on everything. But with this, like you get actual light from like, you know, uh, a fake sun and like you get reflection off of like pyramids and it looks really cool. So that's something that COVID has kind of accelerated because people want to shoot that because that's that takes a lot less people and is a lot more controllable than, you know, flying to Egypt and shooting that thing, which involves a bunch of new people. You have to quarantine them for five to seven days and you have to test them. That costs like 250 bucks a test minimum per person plus hotel rooms, you know. So you save a lot of money and it's a lot safer COVID wise. So a lot of people are starting to do that. And I think it's kind of cool. That's actually really cool technology. And I, I hadn't heard of that until you just told me. It seems like that could hopefully eventually they can maybe, maybe even make like smaller versions of that to make it more accessible to like 
the small time producer or anyone making film. Hey, absolutely. I mean, that, that's how that's how film has like evolved, you know, ever since it was, you know, quote unquote invented or created like 100 years ago, like th things just get cheaper and cheaper. And like all of a sudden, you know, now with digital cameras or mirrorless cameras, like a or your iPhone <laughs> yeah, or your iPhone, right? Like Steven Soderbergh, like you can just make like a film for very cheap, whereas before you would need all these specialized people, all this specialized equipment, all this like infrastructure. And now you can just do it with your phone and like a couple people and for basically free. And so eventually I'm assuming like this whole virtual production with LED screens is gonna get cheaper and cheaper. And eventually, I don't know, we'll have some film schools and we'll, we'll be able to rent them out cheaply. And all of a sudden you can pretend you're shooting in Egypt and it can look really, really good for not a lot of money and not have to actually fly out there. Man, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Are you still like shooting some of your own stuff? Cause didn't you have your own production company? I'm, I feel like that might be on pause now that you're with this job, but. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's a really like, it's a weird cognitive dissonance. Cause you know, I grew up my whole life, like, you know making projects, like, like being the one to start them and, and being the creative person behind them. Like, I'm gonna shoot this, I'm gonna shoot this. Um, and ever since, you know, and that's what I went to school for. I, I went to UCLA for directing. Um, and assume like, okay, cool. That's what I'll end up doing. And now it's like, you know, my first two jobs, I'm a PA, you know, I'm just a production system, like telling people to put their masks on. Now I'm at a higher level where like I'm scheduling, coordinating all these different tests. Soon I'm going to be working a little bit more creatively in the camera department, but it's weird to go from like being a director or a cinematographer to like being just the bottom of the barrel right. on set. And what I've tried to be good about is making sure that I still work on my projects on the side. So um, I'm still editing. I'm still finishing. I can't really shoot stuff because of COVID. Um, yeah. But um, I'm still editing projects. I'm finishing. I'm still finishing my thesis. Um, I'm finishing that web series. I think I might have told you about. I'm actually wearing the sweater right now. Social. Um, so I'm trying to finish that. I actually have a meeting after this with uh, my creative partner. We're going to um, finish editing it, hopefully today, and then be able to send it out soon. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to still do that stuff you know, on the side as, one, as much as I can. But I mean, these days are crazy. It's like 12, 14 hours a day, six days a week. Um, yeah. So when I get home, I try to get a little bit of work done, but um, it's a lot. I know you're a busy man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm glad I could catch you. Um, but so when you, I guess, now that you're shooting social, what did you start with? And like, how did you get started with film? Because I, I don't think you've ever even told me that. Good question. Yeah, so like, um, I mean, as, as a kid, um, I was really interested. In, yeah, I became interested in photography. And I remember as a little kid, I borrowed like my mom's boyfriend's camera or something. And I did like a little um, stop motion of this. Yeah. Like I was really big into Legos. Um, I had a good friend. Um, I think maybe you remember him. I don't know. His name was um, Paul, but he was like, he was not the Paul that you know. He's, he was, didn't go to our school. Uh, okay, then probably not. He was, he was a really good friend. We would play Legos all the time. And one day I got a camera and we did like a little stop motion of like these Legos like dancing to Please Don't Stop the Music by Rihanna. And, <laughs> and it was really fun. It was really fun. And then from then on, like it was always in the back of my mind. Um, I went into middle school and high school, like doing engineering stuff. You know, I went to that like special high school where like, you I know, built a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was building stuff all the time. And then I met this guy, um, a Dion, whose dad is a film professor at um, Southwestern College um, in San Diego. Yeah. And we started like shooting stuff together, me and Dion. And then we um, created that production company. We started having clients that we shot stuff for. And then every project that we had, instead of me like building something, it was now, oh, I'm going to make a film about something. And then it came time to apply to college. And I was like, okay, do I want to do film? Because that's the thing that everyone, you know, jokes about. It's like, oh, why am I going to pay all this money to like, you know, not have a diploma, like right. to not have a job. Right. And I applied to engineering schools 
and film schools just to be safe. And I got into most of the schools I wanted to. I got into Berkeley and I almost went there for engineering. But then I decided, because I got into um, NYU and UCLA for film. And I was like, wow, these are like really prestigious like film schools. You know, I have a lot more fun. Like, like I feel a lot more creatively fulfilled when I'm doing film stuff. Should I pursue that? So I, I visited, you know, the schools. I went to NYU and then it was like, it's like $76,000 a year. <laughs> I mean, how is that even like a real thing? Um, and even with scholarships, it was still going to be like 30 grand. So I was like, okay, let me go to UCLA. I went to UCLA, interviewed, got in. I got super lucky because they only take in like 15 people a year. Yeah, I was about um, to say, I know that program super. It's slow. super small. And like, and I don't know where they messed up and like allowed me to go, but um, they did. And and because um, it's a state school, because it's a, a UC and I'm, I'm a California resident, I was basically able to get in for free and get a full ride. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to UCLA because there's no way I'm gonna graduate with like $120,000 of debt or um, yeah. So I went to UCLA and then studied film for four years, met a lot of great people, shot a lot of projects. And now I'm hoping to keep that momentum moving forward. Um, yeah. but, um, but we'll see, it's a, it's a weird thing like pursuing directing because like, right. There's no path, really. Everyone takes a different <laughs> path. It, yeah, wasn't there even a point, I think, when you're at UCLA, when you're like, maybe I should just like drop out of school and just start filming my own projects now? I mean, yeah, that's a big thing. And I've talked to a lot of people because, you know, surprisingly, um, for me, at least uh, on sets, you know, I'll talk to a lot of people and like 95%, if not more people don't have film degrees. Like they didn't go to school for it. It's, it's, it's very much like, um, like an apprenticeship, apprenticeship kind of thing. It's, it's a trade, right? So like, you, you know, you learn to do these things over time and, and anyone can start out as a PA basically. Um, and most people don't have film degrees. And it's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, I'll put on my resume, but it doesn't really do anything. You know, no one cares if you went to film school or not. Cause right. like, it's a school. It's not, it's not like real life. You're not actually, but I'm sure you know, like you learn, right. Some valuable information, like through, like what, like, what did you learn that like helped you at UCLA? I mean, I think the biggest thing, honestly, so, so, so I don't want to discredit film school, by the way, I think film school is incredibly important. I think for me, it was really important because I, I need that time and that like, you know, safer space to like experiment and get to know myself and what I want to do. And that's very important. I think it's more for creative people or like people in the creative, like, aspect of filmmaking that's important but if you're going to be doing like you know stuff that isn't as creative where you're not making big creative decisions it doesn't like you don't need to go to film school for that you can just drop out and get to work on a set that's how most people get started but what I thought was really valuable about going to film school is one the time and like you know you know you have an assignment so it's like you've got to shoot something you know it's not just on you you got to do this and let's do it this way and see what that does and it's also the people that you meet you know some connections, of the right yeah. exactly i mean connections but also just like some of the most talented people i've ever met in my life i met at ucla um you know whether they're studying acting like in theater or whether they're filmmakers and you know growing together um getting to work on projects with them i think is really valuable um, so those, I think, are the two biggest things, not necessarily, you know, because they don't tell you, I mean, they don't, it's impossible to teach like, hey, this is how you direct a great film, you know, you right. <laughs> but they do give you opportunities to learn how to start doing that yourself and with the people around you. And I think that's really valuable. So what I'm hoping is that that, you know, film school, four years of my life will pay off at some point when I'm, you know, in a more creative position than a testing coordinator. Right. And like the professors you had at UCLA, did any of like do you ever like reach out to them um for advice or connections absolutely especially the last two years you, you get a lot more hands-on like production experience you get a lot more hands-on like with the with the professors and i've contacted a couple of them since i graduated to um 
ask them to watch like the projects that I'm editing and give me notes on them. Yeah. That's like, again, one of the most valuable things I've done that with, um, with ex class members, like peers, I've done that with professors and they'll always give just the most helpful, informative, insightful, um, um, notes and critiques on your projects. And it always like makes them a thousand times better. Yeah, that's cool. And, um, when you were, when you decided to like do film school, what, or is your, I guess, were your parents on board with it? <laughs> Surprisingly, they were like, hey, dude, you, you know what you're getting into. Just, just take care of yourself. And I was like, okay, cool. They actually, they did push me to apply to more like engineering schools just in case okay. I didn't get into the film schools. Okay. So I wasn't even going to apply to Berkeley. I was like, oh, why am I, I don't even really want to go. And they're like, no, just do it. So I did it. I got in and it was a good like safety net. But, um, but yeah, they were like, go for it. And I don't think they fully knew what it was going to be either, <laughs> but, um, neither did I. So I went for it. Right. I'm sure like, it sounds like they were supportive about everything. Um, yeah. and I don't know, is, uh, in like French culture, <laughs> is it normal yeah. to like push your kids to go for stuff like that? Or I don't know if there's any norms in terms of. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that's a good question. Um, creatively, I don't know, like no one in my family, like, like that lives in France, I think like ever went to school for anything creative. Um, so I don't know. It is kind of weird. It's like, um, you know, you very much go to like get a job, like, you know, you go to college to get a job. And right. I went to college knowing I'm not going to get a job. And I think that was a little weird, but my parents have been pretty progressive and like open, like, you know, um, I mean, they moved, they moved away from France for a reason. So they have a different mindset. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, what do your parents like think of your projects now? Do they, they give you their own input too? <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, I, you know, it's never going to be as detailed as like a film professor, but it's, it's, um, it's always really nice when I get to like finish something and share it with my family, you know, they, they can watch and be like, Oh, like, that's really cool. Or like, wow, I didn't know you felt that way. And like, I don't know, it's, it's really, it's interesting. Um, but I haven't, you know, I want to, I want to make better things so they can be happier about the stuff I make. And yeah. No, I see what you're saying. And, uh, this new show you're doing, what is it to call again? Social. Social. Yeah. The web series. Yeah. It's just, it's social. So it's actually, you see how the I is lowercase. This is stupid, yeah. but like the idea is that it spells SoCal, like Southern California. Uh, There's a little I in there, lowercase. Yeah. So it's called right. social. You, you mind like giving a brief synopsis about the, uh, oh, yeah, the yeah sure. Um, so it follows this guy. His name is Baron B A R O N. And he just graduated college, um, with his girlfriends and his girlfriends um, broke up with him and he doesn't understand why. Um, he's really, really, really sad. And he ends up joining um, this company to work. It's called Huggle Buddies. And Huggle Buddies is, is an app that um, allows you to request someone to come to your house for five minutes and hug you. So that is the premise of the show. Um, we have a lot of, I think, interesting characters in there, really, really, really talented cast. And we kind of follow him for seven episodes, um, trying to give hugs to people, but really failing because he sucks at giving hugs. and and we watch him like start to figure out why his girlfriend broke up with him and uh, we follow um that journey for uh for like 70 minutes gotcha and your main role in this is like a pr production pretty much uh director yeah so i actually director, so um, okay. I, I wrote it i wrote it two years ago with my um one of my best friends christian who wow. um, was a theater major so acting in um at ucla and we wrote it together. We shot it together, like with like no money. We pulled all of our friends, all of our resources, like family members, like donating and stuff. And we shot it over like a month and a half, like on the weekends, um, two years ago. 
And it was a crazy project, but also some of my fondest memories are during that. I mean, th there were days like I straight up, we went without sleep for three, four days. Like, wow. yeah, because we also, you know, we also had uh, part-time jobs and we also had full-time school and like trying to manage all this stuff was crazy, but we did it. And it's been two years almost since we, um, since we first started writing. So we're almost done editing. It's a big project for two people who have never edited something this big before. Christian had never edited anything, period. Well, um, I had. And yeah. so we've been editing this for like a year now and um, we're almost done. We, we've had a lot of sound worked on it. We just need to find someone to color it, like to do color grading, make it look nice. And um, and then it'll be done. But I'm excited about it. Um, we have really, really talented people working on it. I think it's charming. I think it's funny at times. Um, and I hope that emotionally it resonates with some people. Um, but yeah. That's really cool. And uh, so once this is done, where are you going to, you know, post it up and are you going to try to, you know, monetize it in some way? Yeah. So, so uh, we were going to put it up on YouTube in terms of monetization on YouTube, that stuff's like hard to get into because you, know, <laughs> yeah. you need like, what is it? 10,000 like um, subscribers. You need like a hundred thousand view hours or whatever, like to start monetizing and then you start making money on views. So the idea really is first of all, to like have a proof, proof of concept that we can show, you know, if anyone, cause I think the, the concept itself can be kind of interesting. The, um, the execution of it as like, you know, two college students with no money. Um, it might not look the best, might not sound the best, might not be the best, but hopefully the concept and, and showing that we try to do something is enough to get some people interested in maybe, you know, if we're going to pitch this to like TV networks or, or streaming services or something, just to have something to show like, Hey, it's not just a concept. It's something that we actually shot. This is what came out would you be willing to have us do it again for your network? So that would be really cool. I doubt that's going to happen, but we're going to try our best and see, you know, maybe this will open a door for something completely different, but we still need that door open. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And I can't wait to check it out when it comes out. Thanks, um, do you have any other more stuff coming up, uh, I guess, in terms of projects or I know you're shooting this uh, new DC or helping <laughs> with this DC movie now, anything else coming up? Um, I am finishing up my thesis, which is like way overdue, but I already graduated. So who cares? Um, it's, um, it's, um, it's like 12, 15 minutes long. And it basically follows this, um, guy, um, who, um, lives in a world where lyrics don't really like exist anymore. Um, like music with lyrics has become like unpopular. And so the only music that exists doesn't have lyrics and he um, quits his job to pursue music, but realizes that he can only express himself through words and he's not really a good singer. So we kind of follow his journey for like 15 minutes and we see where that takes him. Um, so that's a project that I've edited like three different times and I just like can't quite get it right. So I'm asking for some help. I have a couple editor friends that are going to take a look at it soon and see if we can iron out some of the problems with it. But, um, but I'm really excited about that. It looks beautiful. The cinematographer, um, David, um, super, super talented. We shot on like an amazing camera for free um, that they just shot like Top Gun Maverick with. They, they're shooting oh, the new wow. sequels with it. We got it for free, which I was super happy about. Um, the main actor is a Christian, one of my best friends. He's incredibly talented. He, um, he's actually signed with a pretty big um, management company that represents like Robert Pattinson and Chris Evans and like all these big stars. So he's really talented. So I'm excited for this to come out so people can see how good he is. But, um, but yeah, that's what's coming out. Very nice. And then, so I guess you're pretty much mostly involved with cinematography and I guess directing is like production, editing, everything. Mm -hmm. What do you think makes a movie like well-produced or well-directed? Like what are the main things that go into it? 
Oof, that's a, that's a giant question. All right, let me see. Um, <laughs> people who aren't experts like you in the film industry, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, like, I know this is gonna be kind of a cop out answer, but like, if if a movie, at least for me, if 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 something, if a movie, like a, a piece of like media, makes you feel something, then I think it's a good job. Like, if it makes you feel something, um, even if it's not intentional, like maybe maybe it wants you to feel sad, but like you laugh, you know, something like uh, the room, you know. Which right. is uh, which is supposed to you know supposed to be a very serious movie, but we all laugh at it because it's like really poorly done. I still think it accomplished its goal if that was its goal of making you feel something. Right. In terms of like you know something being good or bad, like I don't know, it's it's always in the eye of the beholder. But I feel like you know they teach you all these things in film school, like you know good directing is like you know letting scenes breathe. It's about um um you know if you're if you're shooting a movie, you want to you know show versus tell. So you don't want people talking to each other and telling them how they feel. You want to show it right. Um, I was watching like the end of um, the Phantom Thread the other night uh, on on TV and I was just like blown away like it's you know it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars and like just watching like these two people interact it's like Daniel D. Lewis and I forget the actress's name and like I watched like the last like 20-30 minutes of it and they maybe say like six words to each other and and the whole but there's so much tension and like just a look you know a glance um, on the way that the shot is framed like having them be confrontational towards each other it's um I think it's something you can feel. I think it's yeah. about, you know, yeah, showing, not telling sometimes. No, I, I don't think that's a cop out. I think like, yeah, your emotions are like how you feel from something really like. Right. That, I mean, I just watched, unfortunately, I just watched uh, the new Wonder Woman. And oh God, yeah, 1984. That yeah. gave me just feelings of why am I watching this? <laughs> that's yeah. Not the feeling you want, but um, otherwise, yeah, that, that's, that, that makes sense. It's not a cop out at all. And um I'm now doing this thing on the podcast where I ask, since the podcast is called 30 and under, should probably right. mention that in the, the beginning now. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Um, yeah, yeah. So my question I'm asking everyone is like, what do you want to achieve before you turn 30? Jesus Christ. All right. These are the questions that keep me up at night. Um, let's see. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to, I think it would be great to like this is an ideal version i don't know if it's necessarily possible or probable but i want it to happen i want to be able to direct something that i really care about with people that i care about because that's the biggest thing that i've noticed from like working on different sets and that's why i'm so particular about the people that i bring onto my sets is making sure that they're not only you know really talented good at their jobs but that they're good people yeah. um because i've met a bunch of shit people like working on <laughs> sets like yeah whether it was in film school or whether it's like here professionally, like just complete shit people. And it really like makes it a not pleasant experience. And one of our film professors used to say this a lot. He was, he would always say like people who get into film, like the hours are shit. Like I told you, I work like 12 to 16 hours, sometimes a day, six days a week. And I'm getting paid like basically minimum wage. Um, So the hours are shit. The pay is shit for most people. You don't do it for those things. You do it because either you care about the project or if you don't, you, you know, you should be having fun doing it. You should have a good time. And like, I'm looking on this show. One of my good friends ended up getting the uh, a job in my department. So we get to hang out all the time. My bosses are really, really cool. So like, you know, why do this if you're not going to have a good time? And so that's why I'm so particular about having good people on my sets. So that's what I want. By 30, I'd love to have directed something that I care about with people that I care about. That would be amazing. All right. That's a solid answer, man. And uh, before we end this podcast, uh, just do you want to shout out anyone or shout out anything you're going to be working on? Um, I, I feel like I'm talking about projects, so I don't want to beat those horses to death. I want to shout out you, Simon. It's been a while, um, but it's nice <laughs> to hear from you. Um, 
I don't know if we're allowed to talk about you, but I had a couple questions about you, or I could say that for after this. That's all good too. That works, man. Well, appreciate having you on and uh, cool, cool. definitely have to catch up soon. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, good okay. luck. Thanks.